Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello again, and welcome to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy. I'm your host, certified sex therapist Lori Watson, author of Wanting Sex Again, and blogger at Psychology Today and WebMD. And I have with me Dr. Adam Matthews, my co-host, who's a couples therapist, psychotherapist, and president of NCAMFT. Foreplay is dedicated to helping couples keep it hot. Thanks for listening. Now on to today's topic. Hey everybody, and welcome to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy. I am your couples therapist, Dr. Adam Matthews. And I am your sex therapist, Lori Watson. And we're back with another episode today. We are continuing a series we've been doing on the four horsemen of the apocalypse in relationship. The four horsemen come from Dr. John Gottman's research on what really ends relationships and what is uh, factors that drive them. There are four factors that are when they are persistent patterns in a relationship with more than sometime anywhere between 85 and 95% chance will end up in a divorce or a separation or a break in the relationship if they are left to kind of run wild in your relationship, right? Right. So these are danger zone kinds of behaviors and Gottman coined them, uh, made a really specific way of thinking about them so that you can identify them in your relationship. And we want to help you get away from that. And specifically to identify them within yourself, to identify which ones you kind of default to. I think everybody kind of defaults more to one or the other sometimes. Yeah. They're all usually present. Much easier to see it in your partner. <laughs> yeah, it's much easier to see it in your partner and say, stop doing that. You're doing the, you're yeah. doing one of the horsemen. But ideally, you're looking at yourself. Um, so again, just to review, we have talked about criticism and contempt. No, mm-hmm. we have talked about stonewalling. We've talked about some of them. I forget which ones we've talked about Wait, so far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've talk, we've okay. talked about a few of them so far, but it, the four of them are criticism, contempt, stonewalling, and defensiveness. And defensiveness is the one that we are going to talk about today. And this is really when the person feels attacked, right? Mm-hmm. And it becomes their justifying behavior. Yeah. Right. They Well, and they... They attempt to offer explanations or to respond in a way that justifies their own behavior. They're trying, and they try to offer explanations for them, which keeps them from really hearing the other person. And this is whether they are actually being attacked or whether they just feel attacked. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Either way, they're going to respond with. They're going to typically respond with defensiveness. This is going to sound like a lot of yeah buts. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't take the trash out, but you didn't give me sex last night. Or, yeah, I I was late, but work made me. Or anything like that. Or in its, in its most toxic form, I think it becomes the whatabouts, right? It's, uh-huh. it's cross-complaining. And it's um, not just men who are defensive. I no. mean, women often, right, if you're the sexual distancer, they could be defensive as well. Yeah, we haven't had sex, you know, every week this month, but, you know, one week was my period, and the other week your parents were in town, and it's that backing up behavior of mm-hmm. defending, you know, when your partner is bringing up a concern, or uh, oftentimes it's a reaction to an attack, that's true, but you can be defensive just when your partner is expressing a need. Yeah, they, they could express a need or just a complaint in the relationship, 
and the defensiveness can kick off a, a dangerous cycle. Mm-hmm. But it seems to me, Lori, that it's just it passes off responsibility, mm-hmm. right? It, and it, it not may, my fault. It's not my fault. There are I circums- am who I am. <laughs> I am who I am. I am pat. The circumstances are outside of my control. Yeah. Right. In a lot of ways, and I think a lot of times when somebody is being defensive, like they are fearful that they are not going to be understood, that their position is not going to be addressed or validated. And so they continually, they bring that up and they say, if I don't defend myself, then there's no way that my partner is going to understand why I, I do that. And I think a lot of times too, they feel like their character is being assaulted, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Whether it, it really is or not, they, they feel like that they're being told that because there's this complaint that they are a bad person or they're, they're no not good. or they're not doing enough. They're or not they're, enough. That's uh, the big one. Uh, right? Or that they have to do, that there's just one more thing that they have to do. And so- Instead of doing the thing that would be helpful, we dig our heels in, right? Exactly. Defensiveness causes us to really kind of it, – it gets it gets us into what I call that, that tug-of-war game. Like rather than trying to have a win-win situation, we start to pull back on our side and dig our heels in and kind of try to pull our partner and make and convince them to see it from our perspective, convince that if they will just see it from our perspective, then they're un- they'll understand and their complaint will go away. Exactly. If I just quickly tell you, you know, why it is and explain to you my point of view, then you're not going to be mad at me anymore. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the fight will just go away. Yeah, the fight will go away. So if I just quickly defend myself and you're, you're talking about this as a chronic pattern mm. that becomes difficult to resolve, you know, the, the two aspects of the criticism defensiveness. And we know that in sex, this pattern of well, yeah, I know, you know, you told me you like it this way, and, but this is the way I like it. And and sort of explaining yourself or defending your position or I- anything that basically stops you from hearing your partner. Yeah. That defense stops you from hearing your partner. And it is actually retreating. Yeah, right? it's It is distancing when you become defensive. And it's just not sexy. <laughs> like it's just defensiveness is not sexy. Right? It is not sexy. You know, no, especially because to, sexiness is attunement, right? Yeah. Somebody, I feel like they're they want to know me. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna drive away. Stop it! It's, it's not a, sexy. It's not. <laughs> just stop. Uh, we know that that's hard, though. I just mean, don't do it. It's, it becomes a pattern in in uh, your relationship. I think to the partner of somebody that's defensive one of the what it feels like a lot of times is that they just don't take responsibility they don't own their own stuff and that they repeatedly don't hear the complaints or or they're just ignoring the complaints that they have it feels like the more that they have to be on top of them to actually get a response to get them to change or do something different and hear it and so it just escalates the whole situation a lot of times yeah exactly and i think it's the not taking responsibility Right. It's yeah. the, the quick to nah. Yeah. <laughs> nah. Yeah. That's not it. It versus really considering what your partner's complaint is or if their attack has any validity at all. You're not considering that. Yeah. And I and I would say too, like it's not that the part the person that's defensive, it's not that they're not a responsible person or that they don't take responsibility in their lives. In general. In general. Some maybe sometimes they do, but in general it's not that. It's that fear. It's fear that they're 
that their position is not going to be understood or they're feeling that that's the way to solve the fight. Uh-huh. Um, but it does come off in that way. It is that is what is getting communicated is a lack of responsibility. OK, so give me an example because I, I need to he- see it sure. played out. Um, so let's say let's make up a couple Linda and Joe. OK. All right. So. Linda, not their uh, real names, not their real names. uh, But this is a common, common complaint, right? That happens in relationships. So their main fight is their main disagreement is about how much Joe works, Mm -hmm. right? Linda really wants Joe to work less, spend more time with her. But Joe, he feels a deep sense of obligation to his work. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is the thing, and this happens with a lot of men, so this is a little stereotypical, but it is very common that they feel like their job in the relationship is to provide for their family, Mm -hmm. and that is tied to work. So maybe he works in a high-pressure environment, and he's worked really hard to gain the position that he has within his, his job with his employer. He's seen as really reliable. He's seen as a big shot kind of in in his company so he's uber reliable at work yes he's uber reliable at work he probably he probably actually takes a lot of responsibility mm-hmm. um, at work he probably does not get defensive all the time at work necessarily but his concern is that if it, underlying concern right the one he maybe not even vocalizes is aware of that is happening with him is that if he does not do everything he can for work right that he is that that's there's a threat there that either he's going to lose income he's going to lose position his feeling might be that he might actually lose his job if he doesn't spend as much time as he's mm-hmm. spending is as he is spending at work mm-hmm. all right so, so she says to him things like you're never home you never uh, take me out anymore you know you don't pay attention when you are home you're mm-hmm. always on your phone or your email yeah and pissed off and just just angry with him and so she's going to bring this complaint often to him and so when she does Right. He is going to hear that as a request for one more thing, as one more that he's not doing enough for his family, Mm -hmm. um, even though he's putting in all these hours at at his work. Um, And so it's going to it attacks his sense of worth. And so he's going to respond with, I know I don't spend enough time with you. I know we need to spend enough time together, but you know how demanding work is. Right. right. You know how demanding his job, this job is. Or don't look you, at the lifestyle. That, providing yeah, that's that's for exactly us. what I was going to say. I'm working for you. I'm working yeah. for our family, for our children's future. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to give up what you have, whatever it is that's being that he feels like mm-hmm. he's providing? And it's just going to intensify the situation. Mm-hmm. Right. Because he is going to feel defensive of that. And then I think it, it's going to bleed over into other areas of the, of of life because she's going to be critical of that. She's going to be pursuant of that. She's probably going at, even if it started out as a, if she said it in a good way as a, and presented it to him as a request, as a request over time, it's going to get more and more critical. She's going to be a harpy. Yeah. I really mm-hmm. think criticism and defensiveness, like I think they're paired together. Yeah, right? exactly. And so as that increases, he's just going to dig his heels in more. He's going to feel like he has to defend work mm-hmm. and his job. Right. And so he's going to be, he's probably going to spend more time at work. It's going to increase the amount of effort that he's given there because he feels like he has to defend that turf. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I think what the defensiveness is, is he dismisses the validity of her yes. need for family time, her need for alone time, couple time, and for them to be prioritized. I mean, yes. I, I know several people and and we know we're saying it stereotypically again, and we'll say it sexually in just a minute. But, you know, a guy came in and he does have an Uber job. You know, it's huge. And he's like, you know, I can't possibly be at the dinner table without my phone being active. 
Mm-hmm. You can't do that. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, when you're at a client's, do you look at your phone? Yeah. It's like, of course not. You know, my phone is in my briefcase. I'm like, okay, so there is an hour during the day when you're busy doing something else that you can put the the rest of your business on hold. And he's yeah. like, yeah, but but that's not how it is at home. I mean, you know, when I get home, it's on the West Coast. There's always an excuse. excuse you know, there's yeah. always a defensiveness, you know. But, you know, yeah, I'm on the East Coast, but, you know, everything's blowing up on the West Coast. It's like yeah. you don't understand how important I am. And I think one of the other things is in the defensiveness, there isn't a self-evaluation, right, of what I get out of this behavior, which certainly I provide a good living for my family, myself. Mm-hmm. I also get a lot of pats on the back and achievement. And and those are good things. Oh, yeah, they're those great things. Those are good things. Nobody's, you know, yeah. arguing against that. But without being able to be self-evaluative about is this a legitimate complaint and a need, you know, in my partner, it's like the defensiveness obscures their own ability to observe themselves. Yeah. And that's the problem, right? If we can't observe our own motives, which are sometimes mixed, you know, sometimes good, sometimes bad, then we can't make changes. Yeah. And it, like we said, I think it leads, it can lead to, it can bleed over into a lot, a lot of other areas. The defensiveness can come into the sexual relationship. It can come, it can come out in a lot of different ways even if it's not the main thing that we argue about in our relationship. Yeah. Let's come back and talk about defensiveness some more and also uh, how it impacts sex, uh, uh, sexual example. Thank you so much to all our Patreon supporters, right? Yeah. Patreon is a platform where you can directly support things that you love. We really want to expand the resources that we can be able to provide right. to you as our listeners. If you know our work touches you and our work helps you, we would be so grateful for your support. Just go to our website, foreplayrst.com, and there you can find a way to support us, and you can see our episodes and our blogs. And thank you so much, guys. Speaking with certified sex therapist Lori Watson from Awakening Center for Couples and Intimacy. Lori, what is an intensive? So an intensive is 12 to 14 hours of therapy all in one weekend. And it's a way to really make fast progress compared to weekly therapy. I mean, there's just so much more you can get done when you have a chunk of time. Overcome the challenges in your relationship and your sex life. Learn more about intensives and Awakening Center's other services at awakenloveandsex.com. At Matthews Counseling, we believe it is our job to come alongside you in whatever difficult challenges of life you are in and help you rediscover hope and to find the strength that you have to face those challenges. We strive to create a safe and comfortable place for you to explore who you want to be and identify the obstacles standing in your way. Oftentimes, the first step toward finding help is the hardest, but it can also be the bravest. Give us a call at 919-587-8018. Find us online at matthewscounseling.net. We look forward to working with you. So I want to give an example of this in the sexual relationship. I had a woman and a couple. He was a prostate cancer Mm -hmm. survivor. uh, And prostate cancer, for those of you who don't know, often results in the lack of erection. Right. Um, so, you know, there were all kinds of things that were problematic. He was taking Viagra. He had tried shots, all this stuff. But unfortunately, sex had always been a sticking point in the relationship. She had always wanted sex a lot more. You know, three and four times a week is would have made her happy. And he had sexual drive, but he did not initiate. And so sex happened once a month. And 
you know, he was resentful over what he saw as um, too much chaos emotionally, yelling in the family. And she was yelling and resentful <laughs> because there wasn't enough sex. And and so once prostate cancer struck, she was like uber resentful. You know, mm. she's like, you know, look, at, I'm done, which, you know, sounds pretty heartless, right? Your, your partner gets cancer. And then you're talking about being done with the relationship because you're so resentful over this pattern. And so what happened is, you know, no matter what she said, you know, he became defensive. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, but the shots are uber painful, but I can't do it because uh, you yelled at the kids this week. You, I can't, uh, his defensiveness was, I just, um, I don't feel anything in my body anymore. You know, I, yeah, I feel desire, but nothing happens. There's no product in my body. So, so that cycle of reinforcement is leaving, you know, it was, it was this backing up. And I guess in my world, Adam, um, when I think about criticism and defensiveness, I see the criticism as the act of the pursuer and the defensiveness as the act of the withdrawing distancing partner. Absolutely. And I think, and I think even in that, that's a good example because I think that leads us into some things that they can, people can do to try to combat defensiveness. Mm-hmm. Because in that sense, in that case that you're talking about, he has a very legitimate reason. Oh, he did. Like he, Absolutely. his reason is very valid for what's going on with him sexually. Yeah. Um, but he is still being defensive. Mm-hmm. And even if you have a legitimate reason or mm-hmm. a legitimate thing, you can be defensive and it's just as detrimental to be defensive with legitimate reason as it is to be defensive with a um, non-legitimate reason. Uh Right. right. Like I don't, I don't think the legitimacy of the, of why you're being defensive or what you're trying to explain or the justification that you're using, it doesn't matter. It's that it's still that defensive posture um, is what is harmful in the relationship. Mm -hmm. Right. And so one of the things that I talk about that I think can be helpful with people is is the question, can you set aside your side of things, your position, your your reasoning for why you're doing what you're doing? Can you set that aside? Not forever. You're not we're not trying to sweep it under a rug, but can you set it aside for this conversation? Right. Can you set it aside and come back and talk about it later and allow your partner to be the speaker, so to speak, in the so to speak. Let me say that clear. (laughs) Can, Can you allow your partner to be the speaker just in this conversation and you take the role of listener? Which um, is reflective listening, not yes. silence while that person spills it all out. That's right. But trying desperately to hear their point of view, trying to imagine yourself in their boots, using reflective language. Mm. Uh, I think, yeah, I mean, if, if you've argued about something, a chronic stress for years or months, or you've had more than three conversations about a chronic stress, dividing up the conversation so one person is the speaker and the other is the listener and then wait a whole day in between yeah and switch turn you know switch off yeah, that is smart yeah well and i think you have to you have to be able to do that to be able to address one disagreement at a time mm-hmm. right like i think people get into a bad habit of trying to solve everything all at one time they do. rather than taking it one issue at a time and that, i guess that's another that's a separate tip as well but it's mm-hmm. it's, it's connected one because it's saying Okay, so the issue here right on the table isn't that you feel unheard about your cancer diagnosis or it's not about that. It is about my feeling. Right now we're talking about my feeling of not being desired. Yes. Right? Yes. And focus on that 
do a good job of listening and understanding that position, seeking understanding first before you seek to kind of respond. And when mm-hmm. you can do that, then you're, you take an issues as it comes, and then you can start to resolve the whole thing, right, as mm-hmm. opposed to trying to eat the elephant all at one time. And, and I know with couples, right, they often come to me, and I'm sure they come to you in the same way. They're in such a state that they don't have the discipline to do that. Oh, you yeah. Know, they, it's, it's hard. They're too elevated physiologically. You know, their partner starts talking and their blood pressure goes up. You know, even if they're the avoidant partner and they look like nothing's happening inside them, we know if we put a pulsometer on them that their heart rate would be elevated. Mm-hmm. You know, distancers often look really calm, cool, and collected, and pursuers look hysterical, you know, or the criticizer looks angry and bad, and the defensive one is innocent, and, hey, it's because of this, that, and the other but actually both of them are in elevated physiological states. And when we are elevated like that, it's very difficult to think. And so we have to learn to calm our body down, to breathe, to take it bite by bite, like you said, the elephant one bite at a time, instead of trying to resolve everything all yeah. at once. Being heard, if you are the defensive partner and and that's your classic role, hearing your criticizing partner, just being heard will actually de-escalate them. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't get, you're not saying you're right. You're saying, this is what I'm hearing you say. And try to say it without any kind of edge or tone in your voice. That gives your partner a chance to like de-escalate as well. Okay, I'm getting through. I don't need to use a bat anymore. I don't need to use a raised voice. I'm being heard. The defensive partner, you know, if you can open up and just say, okay, let's just, take five minutes, you talk for five minutes, and I'm going to really concentrate on what you're saying and what Mm. your complaint is. And I'm going to pretend I'm a third party. My my husband and I, when we were first married, we, oh, that's a long story, but we got married and our roommates were dating each other. Mm. And so every once in a while, we'd be pulled into our roommates' fights with each other, you know, Mm. like his roommate was dating my roommate. And so we would do this, well, my roommate says this, that, and the other. And he's like, well, my roommate says this, that, and the other. And, you know, it was just kind of a joke. But we used that as a technique when we were first married. He said, she said. Mm-hmm. But we were talking about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Well, he said X, Y, and Z. And I said, well, she said. And we pretended almost like we were talking about another couple. Yeah. And that kind of kept the heat off of us, gave us some objectivity yeah. a little bit, you know, because we That's were used to technique. the conversation when we were discussing our, our roommates' problems. And, yeah. you know, and that way we, you know, took the heat off ourselves and we could hear each other a little more clearly instead of you did this, I did not. You know, I, that was that was just maybe. I, I think, that, I thing. mean, I think that's a good a good technique to get to take it off because defensiveness really is it's it becomes really personalized. You're taking a lot of things super personally and it's hard to deflect that, especially in the heat of the moment and being able to cool down. Sometimes in the moment, I always say, like, don't talk about it in the moment. A lot, I mean, sometimes you can. But if it gets to that point where you're getting defensive, you need to say, I need a break. Right. Like, can we come back to this at another time? And coming back to it when you're a little cooler. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another thing that I would hope that defensive people that get defensive and use this horseman more than others can do is to ask more questions. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that they need to be able to say things like, help me understand what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Or even like, could you use different language? Right. Um, I'm not getting it completely. Yes. Tell me again. Would you repeat what you just said? Yeah. Or how is that? How is that affecting you? 
right? What do you mean when you say this? What emotion are you feeling when you say I do this? When I do this, what emotion are you feeling? And I would recommend don't ask why. Oh, yeah, that's that, not Just horrible. strike why from your vocabulary for a you know, couple decades when you're married. Don't ask why. Just say, don't say, well, why do you feel that way, right? You, yeah. you want to say, tell me how you feel. Can you explain where you feel that? I, I, we could do a whole podcast on why, right, and why you <laughs> should get rid of, the, of why, because you're not going to understand why. You're different people. And, right. and people don't understand why they don't. They, they don't can't even why. answer that question. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's just. It doesn't. It's out. How, how is it possible? When you go, why do you feel that way? How is that possibly helpful? Because yeah. you're not going to. This is a soapbox of mine. And I'll get on. You go. Go. You're in a good soapbox. Just for, just for a second, like it doesn't change that you're not going to understand it. Yeah. Right. Like my. Like it is not helpful for me to ask Rebecca why she why she takes longer to consider something and respond when I ask her a question, right? It, oh, you that, are the pursuer. Oh, I'm totally the pursuer. But <laughs> like the like I like that is something that drove me crazy in our relationship early on because I just say whatever is on my mind uh-huh. and like I just I I'm an external processor. Yeah. She's an external pro- an internal processor. So when I ask her a question, a lot of times she would just she wouldn't say anything and I thought she was either ignoring me or hadn't heard me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And which neither one are good. But that's not what was happening. She was just taking her time to consider it. She's much more thoughtful than I am. She's much less impulsive. And like the why, if I ask her, why do you do that? One, it's insulting. Yeah. Right. It's an attack. And and even if she was able to offer me an, a, a, when she tries to offer me an explanation, she could say something like, well, it's it's just because I want to be more thoughtful. And I, and I go, that doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't mm-hmm. understand why. It, it's mm-hmm. more. I'm hurting over here when yeah, you're quiet. You right? have to replace the why with acceptance. Mm-hmm. Right. This like, is who you are. This is who you are. Right now. It doesn't mean that I can't have needs for you to be different. Yes. But this is where you're at right now. That's just an. Uh, that's just I an like that. That's a bonus. Like that. That's a bonus podcast within Man, a podcast. Man, we're going to star this podcast. <laughs> Adam talks. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. Anyway, um, sorry, but, but ask more. Ask okay. more questions that are not why questions. Okay, and one last tip to de-escalate. I, I often ask people, "Where do you feel the tension in your body?" Mm. So, do you feel tension in your shoulders? Do you get hot in your chest? Do you feel your face flush? Because our body will tell us that we're in an elevated state before our mind does. And yeah. so if you can start to pay attention to what your body is actually feeling, you'll know, ooh, I'm getting worked up here. Yeah. You know, I may need to slow this down. I may need to ask for a break. It's like just to ask yourself, where do you feel the tension generally when you and your partner are in stress? When you start to be defensive, okay, what happens? And then when did you first feel that? Like when yeah. in childhood? Because these patterns of defensiveness and criticism come from way back when. We want to help you de-escalate so that you actually resolve fights yeah. and problems and have a pattern that is more productive yeah. and healthier so you don't divorce. And I would say just one more thing, like because and you touched on it right there too, that if you feel like you are getting defensive and it's hard to break out of that and that it's happening to you a lot, like I would encourage you to do some work and do some thoughts around what are – there may be childhood or relationship wounds that you've had in the past that just have increased your sensitivity to criticism or complaint, mm-hmm. right? We don't want criticism, but we complaints are part of life, hurts are part of life, hearing. 
requests for requests. change are a part of life they and relationship. Of, yeah, absolutely. And so there there may have been a time where you just have felt this, if you felt it as a child or you felt it in um, your first you know, adult relationships, like it may be pressing on you. So do some work around that. It doesn't always have to be therapy, but therapy is helpful in trying to address that because that will help you be able to work through that and learn how to decrease the defensiveness that is going on. Exactly. Okay, thanks for listening. This is 4Play Radio Sex Therapy. You can now call in your questions to the 4Play Question voicemail. Dial 833-MY4PLAY. That's 833-4PLAY. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. Hey, help us stay on top here at 4Play. We'd love it if you would subscribe and share it with your friends. And please take one sec and rate and review us. Thanks so much. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.